0: Jane Marriott is the UK High Commissioner to Kenya. She's our guest this morning. She is on her way out. She'll be leaving next month after having spent four years in the country. Good morning, Jane.
1: Good morning. Good morning to all of you.
0: Welcome to Kenya's biggest conversation. I know you've been on this studio before.
1: I have. It's a great studio. I'm always slightly put off by the fact there's a TV screen where you can see yourself. (laughs) But thankfully, I can only see you, Eric, on the TV screen. Very good.
0: Very good. It works well. (laughs) <laughs> Works well that way. Hi, Commissioner. It's been four years. Uh, your tour of duty in the country. Mm. It was recently announced that you're leaving, and the person who's going to replace you has already been announced. How have the four years been? What's your experience been like?
1: I'm, I'm going to say quick. It's where time does that weird thing where you're like, I feel as I've been in Kenya forever in a really good way, mm. but I also feel as I only arrived yesterday, and there's so much more that I would love to do and uh, and see. But unfortunately, four years is the uh, is the maximum time limit that we're allowed to do. Uh, this is a very popular job in the British diplomatic service, so uh, uh, I know my successor, a wonderful man called Neil Wigan, who's currently our ambassador in Tel Aviv, uh, fought off hard competition to get this job, as did I. So. Uh, It's just been the most phenomenal experience I will never ever forget my four years in Kenya.
2: We ask this question among ourselves,
1: hmm.
2: is there someone we can talk to so that you can stay a little longer?
1: Oh yes please, <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. Maybe the President could have a quick word with King Charles if, yeah. uh, if they see each other at the coronation.
0: Well the President we can talk to. <laughs> uh, if you give us a
2: direct li- uh, line to the King, we could mm. also call him and have a word with him. <laughs> the namesake's Who him? Charles. It's it's
1: Charles. Charles. It's Charles. It's Charles. <laughs> I reckon he's a Charlie. <laughs> And to
0: his friends. Yeah. <laughs> this, is, this is Charlie from Nairobi.
1: <laughs> Your yeah. Excellency. Charlie to Charlie. Charlie
0: to Charlie. When you came to Kenya, you clearly had an idea of what you wanted to see done. Mm. And you probably had a very clear idea of how you wanted to see it done.
1: Yeah.
0: Of course, the question is, four years down the line, how has that worked out?
1: I think like most things in life some have worked out much better than you could ever have hoped for Uh, and some things you kind of think oh that still feels like unfinished business there's so much more I'd like to do or you know my god Covid and all of the things related to that. Could not have predicted that. Did not want that, um, and didn't go as well as anyone would have uh, would have liked. Mm. Um, but overall, I think I'm happy. So the main objective I had when I came here is that we talk about partnerships and equals, but. But it didn't feel like that to me. It felt as though the UK and Kenya still had this kind of post-colonial legacy. We, yeah, you know, we talk about development and development partners, and I wanted to get uh, a partnership of equals, which is why in January 2020 uh, we got then President Kenyatta and Prime Minister then Prime Minister Johnson um, to agree and launch something called the Strategic Partnership. And my vision there was that it was genuinely a 50-50 partnership, a win um, that played to both of our interests because i'm a very big believer in diplomacy um being a win-win for both parties I mean, sometimes things are zero-sum when it comes to territory or values, uh, but actually for 90% of things related to diplomacy in our country's interests, there's, there's a huge overlap. So my aim was to kind of really go, okay, where's the win for Kenya and for the UK? And let's focus on those in a sort of equal partnership of, of brothers and sisters.
0: For you to change that, what, what you saw as a perception then, that uh, it appeared that? It wasn't an equal relationship, yeah. right? It meant that the UK needed to compromise on some things, so then Kenya can gain on some. so it comes to 50/50. Yeah. What was it that you felt that the UK needed to compromise on?
1: So actually, I, I think we did have a, a, an equal partnership. We're one of the few countries that's got an equal balance of trade, for example. Um, but it's the language that we used and the way in which we approached it. And I saw this a bit within um, um, some of the language that we you know, came out of us and came out of the High Commission. And it was about, you know, uh, you know, we're working with Kenya on development. I mean, yes, we are. But things like climate change Kenya didn't cause climate change so it's not that we're helping Kenya develop it's that we're in many ways balancing out for what has been done to Kenya by forces beyond its control including the west industrialization mm. um so for me this is this was really about changing how we have the conversation and that we go in as equals
2: sure i mean i hear what you're saying and i'm also I realise that the language then that we use often is a result of the belief that one has. Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. So uh, it would have to be a little bit more than that. So that even when we talk about all of these conversations that are being had yeah futurely or even one of the present conversations yeah. now uh, in terms of you know the agreement signed between kenya and the uk or the agreements that's been discussed about uk's defense forces training here yeah an inherent belief then fuels the language that you use yes. especially when you're coming to discuss some of these uh, agreements so do you see that there's a lifting on some of these biases that you know are existing then when it comes from a country in the West dealing with a country in the global South and North dealing with the South have those changed? because if they haven't you can't have an honest conversation about yeah. a current agreement.
1: Yeah, no, I think some of the fundamentals have, have changed and one of the things that we've really seen with Batok, for example, the uh, UK training base up in Laikipia, mm. um, is that, you know, a few years ago that was just British soldiers coming here. Um, now it's British and Kenyan soldiers training together for a lot of it. So 500 soldiers are, are trained through there. 500 Kenyans are employed up there. 46, 000, sorry, 46 million shillings mm. um, has gone into the local economy economy. economy Um, uh, and uh, you know i I mean i'd love to see that being more of a uk kenya training base including for troops in the region Mm. Um, and having it as more of a um, kenya also sharing its expertise because i look around this region um, and it's true that you can't you can't choose your family and you also can't choose your region Mm. Uh, you've got them for good and for bad Uh, and kenya's got some great neighbors and it's got some neighbors who are who are struggling i mean look at what's happening in sudan Mm -hmm. Uh, and kenya is the main anchor of stability in this region. So we want to work with Kenya um, to help enhance that stability uh, and help it export that stability to the rest
2: of the region. Do you think perceptions are changing? Do you think perceptions have changed uh, in terms of then, I mean based on what you're saying, so here and in some cases it would be based on the individual, yeah. yourself now who believes that development is beyond just, or diplomacy is beyond just having a conversation but it needs to go deeper into what will actually happen. Yeah. Do you think perceptions are changing beyond an individual like Jane Marriott who's here?
1: I think they are but everything is iterative and everything is slow and you always get people who are sort of moving more quickly and some people who are moving more slowly when it comes to change whether you're talking about substance or about the language so I think we're, we're moving in the right direction and I was really struck by President Ruto's words at the weekend it was the the Mo Ibrahim governance weekend so there were lots of you know big hitters from across this continent in town um, I had a, a minister came out from the UK because and I think he was the The EU also sent a senior official, but I think we were the only one who sent a minister. The Archbishop of Canterbury also came because we want to be in a room where Africans are having conversations with Africans to see what that looks like and how can we contribute. Um, And President Ruto said something very powerful, which is that, you know, forever, and, you know, the UK is guilty of this as well. We will have a conference where, you know, it's Africa hyphen the name of a country. Yeah. And President Ruto said, "You know, no, enough. Enough is enough. Um, You know, you come to us. You know, more visits from you know Western countries, China, etc." He didn't go into that level of detail, but he meant you know sort of more foreigners coming to different countries in Africa, and don't treat us as if you know one country can meet with fifty-four countries as if that's a partnership and as if that's equal. And I 100% agree with him on that. Mm -hmm. I think it's a it's a relic of a different mindset that I think is shifting.
0: Mm Not, not
1: as quickly as uh, I think we'd all like, sure, but yeah. it is shifting.
0: It, it's moving somewhere. You know, for a long time, aid has been used as one of those tools yep. for this particular conversation that we're having. So because of the aid that we're giving a certain country, then we also come in and say, you know, we want to put in some conditions on democracy and our view of democracy is what we want to see implemented in your country our view of human rights is what we want to see implemented in your country now of course as the high commissioner you've also been directly in control or in charge of FCDO, foreign Commonwealth and development organization which is now the aid arm of the government how different have you handled this from how it's been handled previously or historically
1: Um, So first of all, UK aid doesn't have conditionality. So when we um, are discussing where we can best do that aid investment, it isn't a you can have money to do X if you do Y. We very deliberately don't have that approach to aid, um, which personally I'm a very big fan of. What I think the merger between DFID, the UK's development agency, and the Foreign Office into this merged FCDO body is that actually we've become more... Uh, I think it's made Foreign Office people more aware of the importance of, of development partnerships. Um, and it's also made the development partnerships more aware of the political environment because sometimes there could be a little bit of naivety uh, when it came to aid. Uh, but crucially for a country <coughs> like Kenya, and it gets back a to your, your point um, around content change as well as language change, um, is that Kenya is not really a country where there is a high degree of aid. Because Kenya is a thriving, prosperous, low-middle-income country, uh, yes, you've got such sort of challenges with the with the drought in the northeast. But what we really want, and what I've really tried to focus on here, is trade, not aid. So trade that is mutually beneficial to our countries. Uh, we saw the great uh, announcement in the margins of COP twenty-seven at Sharm El Sheikh between uh, President Ruto and our third Prime Minister of the year, Rishi Sunak, Mm -hmm. um, uh, around sort of 500 million shilling, billion shilling, sorry, for um, uh, clean green infrastructure and energy projects. So that's kind of using UK development money. So it's not aid, but it's development um, uh, investment Mm -hmm. um, to help do something that Kenya believes in, i.e. clean green energy, and we believe in and the world needs. So that's where I see those kind of triple wins, a win for Kenya, win for the UK, win for the world. um, and, you know, yeah, there is that we do still uh, have sort of aid and development supporting sort of maternal health care, nutrition, um, hunger, safety net, food programmes, so cash transfers for the, uh, the poorest in society that we do with the government of, of Kenya. Um, but I want to see a future where Kenya doesn't need that mm. um, because there are so many other countries that, that need that support. Uh, and in a world with climate change, the demand is getting getting greater, but the amount of money out there is getting smaller. Mm -hmm. Um, so we need to do this differently Mm. and I think Kenya is at the forefront of that
0: you say that um, when it comes to aid the UK does not have any conditionalities yeah but then there's certainly expectations one of your predecessors is famous too for the quote, we give you and then you've been vomiting on our shoes yes of course that means that there were expectations we expect you to behave in a certain way or to do certain things now how do you balance that out how do you say on one hand that you know because we give you we expect but we're not putting any conditions
1: yeah so Edward's speeches, Edward Clay, our, our former High Commissioner, which are known colloquially as the Vomit One and Vomit Two speeches, yes. which is very <laughs> evocative. Sorry for those of you still having breakfast. Mm. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, they were what 15, 16 years ago now that he he made those statements. Um, so th- there isn't conditionality on the aid, um, but I would like to think that we are supporting the aspirations of most Kenyans through that. So yeah, in recent years, we've continued to support institutions, uh, including around the elections. So supporting institutions to help deliver free, fair, credible, peaceful elections. Now, there's obviously different views out there on Mm. this, uh, but our role was always about supporting the institutions. It's never about supporting individuals, because I think with those institutions, with your own um, uh, transparency and accountability of Kenyans, by Kenyans, for Kenyans, um, for me, that's a great thing to support. But that's not saying do this for us. It's you know, we'd like to help you, what do you need to do it for yourselves? Um, and that's where we've been coming in. Now
0: that you've walked into the elections, let's get right there into it. So the last general election, 2022, you are in the country, you saw what was happening, um, you of course are among the various envoys in the country who expressed their views on the conduct of the election the outcome of the election and everything around it of course the opposition is not happy and among the countries that have been mentioned in passing or directly by the opposition is the uk yeah that you are involved in doing things that the opposition is not happy and they feel that sort of you are leaning more towards the kenya kwanzaa side and hoping that they win and you were happy that they won by either contributing directly or indirectly. Did you play a role in the elections?
1: I think we, I think the UK and I personally played a role in supporting the institutions mm. um, in the elections. At no point did we support any particular side. Um, I spent as much time, uh, and, in fact, tried to balance it out very clearly that if I met candidate Ruto, I'd try and meet candidate Ryla. And... Um, uh, with my teams, I sort of said, you know, look, go and meet the Kenya Kwanzaa team and go and meet the Azamiyo team um, and, you know, make those contacts so that whoever gets into government, we have good relations with them. Uh, we've had discussions on, on different sort of policy areas and things like that. Um, and in fact, I even went as far as cancelling some meetings with Kenya Kwanzaa because we had not been able to balance it up with meetings with Azimio um, on the other side. So... You know there's perception and there's reality uh and i am happy that mm. we supported institutions um in a neutral way and, and i think
0: high commissioner that's where the issue is yeah all right that in this support of the institution you also pressed the institution to go a certain route not in a certain direction no. No, 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 no. so while you'd respond to this directly because the accusation has been that yeah. you are among those that uh, were pushing Chebukati yeah to declare the winner even when there was contention on who the winner could be.
1: Yeah. i would never had that conversation with Mr. Chebukati, and it's amazing all the number of people who think they... conversations that I I have had that never actually happened. So, I mean, I did. I was down at the Bomas, so as were many people. Uh, I saw Mr. Chebukati. I remember we spent about an hour together um, uh one day because the election results hadn't started coming in yet Mm. and actually he was a bit bored and so we did just kind of you know spitball uh you know what's going on we did deliberately didn't get into um who do you think is winning we we talked about things like how long do you think it will take for the results to come through when do you think you might be able to declare the results um but we were very very careful both of us because i remember one slightly awkward exchange on another one where i said to him Uh, And I I remember explicitly saying, I know you can't tell me who has won, but do you know who has won? Uh, And I think that I can't remember exactly when that was. And he said, no, not yet, because we still haven't got all the forms in. (laughs) Uh, And that was probably as close as we got to a conversation about who had won. Hmm.
2: Why was it necessary for you to make a statement thereafter that you had no involvement in terms of, you know, who did or didn't win, or that you did not push institutions in a certain manner.
1: So, so we've um, tried to avoid unilateral statements. Myself and the Danish ambassador co-chair something called the Governance Group, which mm-hmm. is an informal um, group of internationals who are sort of interested in Kenyan politics, and uh, uh, would get together informally to talk about um, you know, which which what was happening with the elections. We were concerned about, about the IABC and whether it had had the right technical capacity building and support to be able to deliver the elections, uh, particularly as there was a, a strong steer from government, you know, not to get anywhere near it. But at the same time, the IBC was coming to us and saying, we ne- we collectively, you know, we need technical capacity building. But at no point did we or anybody else put funding directly into the IBC.
0: This is the Situation Room. The only way to start your day. How about that? You made it to the end of today's podcast. You clearly ooze stamina. Guess what? Just hit subscribe at Standard Media Podcast, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts from. Our podcasts drop daily. From me and the team, catch you next time. Bye-bye.